Hi, and welcome to another episode of Focal Point. Today, I'm delighted to be joined by Dr. Colin Light, who is UK Consulting Practice Leader at PwC Strategy and. Colin's work has spanned multiple continents and sectors, and he's been involved with technology and retail projects in the UK, the Americas, and in China. So Colin, welcome and thank you for coming on the podcast. For those who don't know, could you perhaps give us a brief overview of your role as UK Consulting Practice Leader at Strategy And? Sure. PwC uh, acquired Booz & Co about five years ago and formed Strategy And at that point. And Strategy And is, um, uh, follows the PwC model of being a network of firms where we're aligned by national partnerships, but connected internationally for our clients. And uh, within that, I look after the UK arm of Strategy And. Within Strategy And, we have three key groups. We have our core strategy and disruption and innovation team. We have our advanced data analytics and data science team. And then we have our economics practice as well. So within all of that group, we cover all of the sectors. Uh, so everything from retail and consumer all the way through to financial services is how we're structured uh, and across those different capability groups. That's great. And you mentioned a little bit how PwC is structured in terms of the combination of national partnerships and, and sort of international communication as well. Uh, in terms of fitting into PwC's broader structure, what are the sort of benefits of working at a strategy consultancy that's also part of that global professional services network? Yeah, look, I mean, the, the world of strategy consulting has changed dramatically in the last 10 years or so, and, and never more so than in the last 12 months. And if you look at uh, what's happened, more and more clients expect the strategic advice to be followed with the execution. And the key challenge, actually, I think, for a lot of what was originally pure corporate strategy is that most clients actually don't uh, outsource any of that anymore. In fact, they, they tend to ask very specific point questions, and then it is about execution. And if you look at all strategy houses, they are often looking at how they broaden and deepen capability to span from strategy to execution. The advantage we have uh, within strategy and in PwC is that actually we can keep the strategy and team focused on really determining the strategy, but working extremely closely with the rest of our transformation and execution colleagues within PwC. And that means that we can deliver what clients are looking for, but without the strategists needing to, to also be responsible for data structures, for technology, for uh, operating model transformation and changes, and let everyone play to their strengths as a multidisciplinary team. Yeah, no, that's really interesting. So does that mean that some of the strategy projects that Strategy and undertakes are then taken on by other PwC teams after the strategy part of the process is completed? Well, the way we like to work is through the XT, business experience and technology. And that's nothing more complicated than saying, how do we get truly diverse teams to work together in multidisciplinary groups? And, and by having a strategist, a management consultant, a technology consultant, a creative design consultant working together in those teams, then actually you can solve everything from the strategy all the way through to the execution. Having those teams work in multidisciplinary groups is the most effective way of delivering the best outcome for our clients and also for our own people because they learn more. 
Great. No, that's really interesting. It definitely sounds like a very well-rounded approach. Um, and I'd like to talk a little bit now about some of the work that you've completed. So you've recently returned from China, where you worked on a range of digital consulting projects. Obviously, for students at LSE that haven't had exposure to the world of Chinese business, there may be things, uh, cultural differences that they're not aware of. So I wanted to ask you which challenges you faced in China that you perhaps hadn't faced working in Europe and how you adapted to the Chinese professional culture. So, uh, I mean, that's a very long list, but the, the primary difference is actually professional services as an, as an industry is extremely young in China. So where, whereas, you, you know, PwC has been around for 170 odd years, actually the use of professional services, consultants and so on within China is still relatively new within the last 15 or 20 years. So the maturity of how and when to engage external advice is probably not as strong as it is uh, in Europe, but that presents huge opportunity as well. Many clients are wanting to move at much faster pace, take much greater risk, and are much more willing to try things for themselves. And therefore, they tend to be quite specific in their ask of where to use consultants. But as a result, whilst that makes it sometimes harder to sell, it is actually easier to form a much stronger binding relationship with your client because they, they tend to really focus on you as the external experts in the core areas where they don't think they can cover themselves. And then they come back and back and back again as a result. There is no question commercially pricing is much harder in China, um, but at the same time, they're much more keen to try a more innovative use of pricing. So how do I tie the consultant's outcomes to the client outcomes in a much stronger way? It's a fascinating market moving much, much faster, I think, than many in the US and in Europe tend to see. The ecosystems are different and that takes a little bit of getting used to. So for example, the Alibaba Tencent ecosystem, everyone loves to draw a parallel with Amazon and Google and Facebook. But, but they're really quite different. They're structurally different. They're commercially different. And that takes a bit of getting used to. But, but once you've, you've navigated some of that, the opportunities to, to figure out how to plug into those ecosystems and those platforms, I think, are, are tremendous. Yeah, no, that's brilliant. Thank you. It definitely sounds very interesting. Uh, and I suppose sort of in a similar vein, you mentioned there that younger companies with less experience of using consultants perhaps approach issues a little bit differently in China. Um, but a lot of your career in the UK and uh, elsewhere in the sort of what we would consider the Western world has been with startups and joint ventures as well. So what unique challenges does that work bring as uh, that you perhaps don't experience when working with larger, more established clients? Um, every startup has its own unique characteristics, whether or not that is founder led, whether or not it's corporate backed, whether it's private equity backed. And so I don't think there's kind of one size fits all. However, the, the key to a startup is, as always, how do you design and build something in as fast a time as possible with as much impact as possible? And so you're constantly making the trade-offs. And the trade-offs you're making actually strike back at the heart of the B, the X, and the T. The B, what is my next most valuable action? The X, what is the experience, the behavior change, the, the adoption, whether that's from customers or employees, that is going to drive the best emotional reaction. And then 
the T, the technology, what is the fastest and most reliable way that I can build the technology acceleration to deliver that value? Every startup is looking for that. And we all like to talk about MVPs, minimum viable products. That is the key to any startup. What is the minimum viable balance of value, experience, and technology that we can deliver? And once you figure that out, it's about how do you get it into market and test it? Because the one thing that is absolutely true of every startup I've worked in is they're always wrong. Their initial hypothesis about what it is that's going to work is wrong. It's only when you put it in the hands of your customers can you learn from what they want, iterate quickly, and then build something that's bigger and better. Yeah, no, that's really interesting. And obviously, working with startups is working with businesses at a really interesting stage in their development. Uh, I'd like to turn now a little bit to strategy and more generally, and sort of the, your experience at strategy and over the last few months. So what kind of opportunities has the firm faced during the pandemic? And are there services that are in higher demand from clients due to the current global situation? Yeah, I mean, it, it varies significantly by industry. So our government and health industries have been insanely busy over summer, which has been everything from helping to design and establish Nightingale uh, hospitals through to large scale government changes that have needed to happen. Our financial services business has actually been incredibly busy on cost-based transformation. A lot of the financial services uh, retail businesses, whether that's banks or insurance companies, have needed to innovate quite quickly uh, over the period. Many have, have focused on cost out programs, and so that's kept them very busy. And then uh, across the rest of, of the private uh, sectors, those businesses have been, have been very variable but very busy in retail and consumer. Unsurprisingly, all of those clients that didn't have a digital model want a digital model very quickly. But the, the key there is how do you do it quickly and cost efficiently through to our industrial products businesses, which includes things like professional services, law firms, and so on, that have traditionally re relied on very, very traditional means of, of generating business. And how do they technology accelerate their transformation? And what might that mean in how their, their behaviors and their operating model needs to change as well? So uh, I mean, actually, it's been an exceptionally busy um, summer for us, and I don't see any sign of that abating, which is, is clearly good for us as a business, but recognizing that our clients have probably never faced such a significant set of challenges hitting them simultaneously. It's not just about impact from the pandemic, but it's impact from the pandemic accelerated wider disruption and innovation challenges that they were already facing. So environmental and sustainability challenges, whether or not that's changing demographics, uh, whether or not that's changing the polarization, both political polarization and regulatory, but also people's buying behaviors uh, around national versus local. It's no doubt been an interesting time, if not challenging for everyone. Yeah, no, that, that's great. It certainly sounds like it's been a very, very busy summer. And you mentioned sort of innovation that, that's been not necessarily driven, but accelerated by the pandemic. And perhaps we'll come back to that in a second. Uh, but you also mentioned that this was perhaps the biggest time of uncertainty for your clients in recent memories, or perhaps the biggest challenge that they've faced. And so I wanted to ask, 
what is it that strategy and can offer during this pandemic to your clients that other strategy consultants or specialist consultants can't offer? I think the the challenge is primarily around the fact that you have so many different impacts happening at once. I mean, we talk about something called the ADAPT framework. So you've got age, um, uh, socio-demographic changes, particularly also when you when you obviously look at younger segments about uh, inability to get onto the job market, onto the housing market and so on. You have digital disruption, you have age symmetry across age, across markets as the polarization uh, that I mentioned. Uh, and you also have a trust issue. There is an increasing lack of trust in large corporates and in government. When you look at all five of those factors and you look at the COVID acceleration of them, that requires very different considerations. It requires people who can talk to the environmental and the sustainability agenda, who can talk to the macroeconomics uh, issues that are at play, who can talk to the technological disruption, who can talk to wider political impact around not just local, but but international uh, market perspectives. And most importantly at all, of all, it requires people who have actually executed against some of those challenges. So it is important. No one is, is interested. No one has the time anymore for the 100-page PowerPoint deck from your strategy consultant. Those days are long gone. All they're really interested in is, what is it my board will approve? And how do I get it executed as quickly as possible? And I think that's the, the difference that we bring because we bring both the execution and the breadth of strategic services necessary to answer some of those somewhat difficult questions today. Fantastic, thank you. And turning back to something that you mentioned previously about sort of COVID accelerated innovation, uh, you've done a lot of work in the consumer and retail sector. So on a more optimistic note, what are the most exciting digital-driven trends that you're witnessing in the retail and consumer sectors? So if we just look at the UK at the moment, the UK uh, has accelerated its trend of online grocery shopping in six months that was projected to take three years. So there's been around a four to five percent population bump increase in the number of people who are now routinely shopping online for grocery. The grocery market, in order to be able to serve that market, the, the key challenge is capital expenditure around what's called customer fulfillment centers, but, but effectively the ability to, at scale, pick the goods, pack them, and then ship them to your home. The challenge has always been the speed of change of demand is the bit that becomes the tipping point for when you want to invest in that capital. That has happened. And what's interesting is it's happened at the same time as Ocado Retail has got carved out of Ocado Group and Asda has just been bought by Private Equity and the EG Partnership. So there is massive change going on. And that is on the, on the upside of, I think it will accelerate us to a much better place where we have more margin uh, through online, more convenience through that, and a wider range of choice in that market. At the same time, though, that's compensating against other parts of retail, for example, the apparel industry, that's having a pretty turgid time as nobody wants to focus on going out and buying new clothes when they're locked down in their homes. And so the apparel industry has faced a lot of challenges. We, we are just at the point now where we'll see a massive acceleration of digital commerce 
which sounds a really odd thing to say when you consider how prevalent Amazon already is in the UK market. But when you step outside of Amazon, actually, it's not as ubiquitous as you might think. And, and this is the moment in time where actually we new business models will be created, uh, particularly around shared infrastructure. Uh, new, more environmentally friendly options will start to arise around how you get goods to people's home. And I think we will start to see a wider set of choice for the consumer around digital shopping. Mm, definitely. And, and you mentioned sort of the acceleration of digital commerce there, I suppose, on a less optimistic note or perhaps a more radical note. Is it possible that that sort of rise in digital e-commerce could spell the end of the physical store or the brick and mortar store as we know it? Or is that a bit sort of doomsday? Um, I, I don't think it's doomsday. I think there is uh, a need. And, and as a bunch of economic students, you'll understand the concepts of creative destruction, there, there is a need for us to restructure the roles that people play in the retail industry. We, we do have a large proportion of people on minimum wage serving in physical stores. And actually, that industry does need to evolve itself. However, there, there is a significant role for bricks and mortar still to play. Uh, and it varies across different parts of the retail and consumer industry as to where it's more relevant uh, and less relevant. But I do think that it creates an opportunity if you think of the physical stores as your physical platform and your digital platform, those two things coming together are incredibly important. And back to the previous point on China, actually what's really interesting is Alibaba who effectively dominate digital commerce uh, in China with a digital platform have increasingly acquired physical assets because they recognize the importance of omnichannel, the ability to have both physical and digital directly interplay with each other. Definitely, yeah. No, it sounds like a very, very sort of interesting future for retail and it sounds like we've got some interesting developments to come. Uh, I'd like to finish now by talking a little bit more about your personal experience. So you've gained experience on a variety of secondments during your time at PwC. Um, and I wanted to ask how these experiences have influenced your business outlook personally and the way that you work with clients. Yeah, I mean, I've been I've been very lucky. It's it's actually sometimes quite atypical to be able to do that, um, where you go client side and come back into consulting uh, without leaving the company, uh, and and it's been a tremendous privilege to do that. So I've I've had the chance of building and running uh, a TV business in Romania, a, a mobile advertising and payments business in the UK. It each brings its own unique perspective. Each incredibly valuable. It teaches you a lot about yourself more than anything else. It, it became clear to me that I'm not very good at business as usual. It, it is critical to understand as a consultant, you can't just be the person providing advice without having some skin in the game, without having uh, real empathy based on experience of what it's going to take to execute some of that. Mm, definitely. And I think that's definitely a sort of a testament to the value of varied experience as well. Uh, and I wanted to end uh, with a question that I like to ask all of the people that we interview. Um, and that's if you had one piece of advice for LSU students who have just graduated or are about to graduate in the coming years, what would that piece of advice be? Don't, don't overthink what your next step is, right? I think uh, I've met a number of graduates who are very determined on 
uh, a single path, the next objective that they they want to achieve. I think uh, it's really important to have goals, but uh, agility is the thing I spend most of my time talking to our partners and directors about. And, you, you know, we're in turbulent times. So be prepared to be agile would be point one. Point two, as an employer, and, and actually PwC remains one of the largest graduate employers in the UK, both uh, at the experienced higher level and at, um, at undergraduate level, I, I think the challenge for us is always looking for people that have the spark that is different. What we're really looking for is people who have passion, not necessarily passion about a particular industry, but just a passion that they can articulate well, because passion and innovation are inextricably linked, and those things need to also come with agility. If it's not about going into corporate, I massively encourage you to try your own innovation. Try something entrepreneurial. I, I've, I've hired many people over my career who didn't think that they wanted to go into a corporate, that tried something entrepreneurial. It didn't work. They've come into corporate. They've been fantastic performers and then decided to try again their next entrepreneurial endeavor. Brilliant. Well, I think that's very, very good advice. And, and thank you for those really interesting insights. I think we'll end the interview there. So Colin, thank you very much for coming on and we hope to catch up with you again soon. My pleasure. All right. Take care.